Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. And welcome once again to the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, and I am firmly ensconced in the luxurious corner booth, happily seated next to my co-host and friend, Tom Dorian. Hello again, Tom. Hello, Deacon Jeff. You're firmly ensconced. <laughs> yeah, I'm not moving. I'm very comfortable. That means you're just anchored. That's exactly right. All right. We don't want to talk about why, but it is well, a cushy I'm seat here. Sure, it has something to do with those pancakes. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. So, Tom, we have a great topic today. Is uh, You may have noticed I've got my rosary here with me. I see that. Because that's what we're going to talk about today, the Catholic devotion to the rosary. That is a really nice rosary, by well, the way. Well, thank you very much. I like that. Now, there's been a lot of misunderstanding about uh, the rosary over the years from our non-Catholic friends, but, but also Catholics alike have certainly spent less and less time praying their rosary, maybe because they don't understand the rosary. Perhaps you know, they. You know, I was just quizzed on this the other day, by were the way. You? Yeah, seriously. Seriously? Yes. And did you have an answer? I did have an answer, and I think it was correct. I hope well, it was. Well, we're going to find out today. He's really lost if we're it wasn't. We're going to find out today. I mean, All a lot right. of a lot of the, the Catholics I talk to don't pray the rosary. Right. Are the ones that think maybe this is like something that just the gray-haired people that Grandma does. Grandma pr- prays yes. the rosary because she used to pray it all the time. And young people don't like to pray the rosary. You know, and then also some people might buy into that thing about that this is some sort of idolatry or something. You right, know? And, which and it's not. Of course not. So, But we want to discuss... Really, what the rosary is. Yes. And here to help us along with our discussion is. Um, International expert. That's exactly right. We have Father Jim Blunt. All right. Now, Father Jim's a priest of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. He's currently pastor of a church in Central America in the tiny country of Belize. This is Divine Mercy Parish. Mm-hmm. And Father, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thank you, Deacon Jeff. Thank you, Tom. Please pass the Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. We don't have, we don't serve Starbucks here, unfortunately. Those are fighting words in this place. <laughs> That's right. We've got good coffee, though. So, what what would you like to drink? We'll bring it to you. Anything black. So, Father, let's uh, let's get right into this talk of the Rosary. And sure. you know, right off the bat, I just want to clarify for everyone: just you know, what is the Rosary? The Rosary is a, a set of beads. It's a prayer chain. But it's actually a nuclear weapon. It's a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) And the rosary in the hands of any good Catholic, man or woman, priest, religious, laity, teenager, child, can work miracles and does work miracles. You see, Jesus worked his first miracle through his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's in the Gospel of St. John, the wedding feast at Cana. And from that day to this, he delights in working miracles through his mother. So the rosary is a way to go to our Lord Jesus through the intercession of his mother, which is the biblical imperative. It's the scriptural model. Let's go to our Lord through his holy mother, and he will work for us whatever she asks of him. Why do we pray the rosary? Why is it the rosary we would pray? Why is that so powerful? Well, I think when you pray the rosary, you're entering into the family of God. You see, God himself is a family. He's a father, a son, and a holy spirit. God is not a solo act. He himself is a trinity. And when he made man in his own image and likeness, he made us as a family, man, woman, and children. The church itself is a family. It has priests and nuns and ministers and laity. So God delights in fellowship, and he likes us to go to him together with others. So when he taught us to pray, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, not my Father. So we go to the rosary, we use a rosary so we can enter into the Lord as a family. It's a family prayer. 
Father, what about this? It, you know, one of the, the one of the questions we always get is, is it scriptural? You know, where do we get this from from scripture? Yes. How would you answer that? One of the most important prayers of the rosary is the Lord's Prayer. They are our Father. So it's directly and completely scriptural. Mm-hmm. The Hail Mary itself comes almost completely from the Gospel of St. Luke. But the more important part of the rosary is the meditation on the mysteries. And the mysteries of the rosary basically run through the entire life of Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name. So we begin with the Annunciation, where the Father himself sent the angel Gabriel to the Blessed Virgin Mary to ask her her free consent, would she be the mother of his son? Going all the way through his ministry as a priest, as a man of God, as a preacher, as a miracle worker, let's call those the luminous mysteries, through his death, the sorrowful mysteries, and his resurrection. So, to be honest with you, I don't know of a more biblical prayer anywhere in the entire world. So, essentially, when you're praying the rosary, you're praying the Bible. You go through the entire New Testament every day. I think it's the best way to make our Christianity come to full flourish. Now, several places you mentioned that the Hail Mary itself is is found in Scripture. And while some of the words are explicitly stated in Scripture and some are uh, scripturally based, uh, for instance, Hail Mary full of grace. You know, the the, the start of the Hail Mary prayer. Yes. You know, now a lot of uh, translations will say, uh, you know, Hail, highly favored one. Yes. And uh, the Greek, which is kekaritomene, Yes. You know, in some translations, and including the, the old King James, the 1611 King James Version, in the, in the gloss, in the writing, in the, in the yes. side panel, it says, it could be, O highly favored one, or graced, yes. having been graced, having been infused totally and fully with grace. Is that our understanding yes. of the Blessed Mother? Yes, it is. Indeed, it's a Catholic understanding that the Virgin Mary received a free gift from God. She didn't earn it. She didn't merit it. It was given to her freely by the blood of Christ in advance. And just as the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the Israelites drank in advance of the rock that was to come, so did the Blessed Virgin Maria. The grace she has comes from her divine son. No question, she's the first one to admit it. Wonderful. And now, you know, a lot of people, when they're talking about the rosary, one of the problems that a lot of folks have with praying the rosary is that, you know, we know that Jesus loves us, and we know that Jesus wants to talk to us. We know that we're free to pray to Jesus. And some people might think that if we're focusing on the rosary, which tends to be more Marian in a lot of people's minds, you've explained, obviously, that we're we're talking about the life and teachings of Jesus through all the mysteries, but we say the Hail Mary a lot. Yes. So people would ask, well, why are you praying to Mary? Why wouldn't you just pray straight to Jesus? Well, the sacred scripture, the word of Jesus himself, teaches us that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. This is really a command from sacred scripture. We are to go to one another, especially if there's a man or woman in your church who is a holy man or a holy woman. The Lord wants us to go to one another. Again, we're not lone rangers, and it's not a solo act. We are a family, and we need one another. We live in community. Amen. Amen. And the Lord teaches us this. You might say this. We'll never have it all together, but together we'll have it all. And so we need all of us working together including that beautiful mother of God, that mother of Jesus Christ. So we go to her because she's a righteous woman. And the Lord would not entrust his son to someone who was unrighteous. She is truly righteous. She loves us and she will intercede for us. And it's the Lord's will that we go to her and to one another. In the same way, by the way, that I would go to my pastor or my priest for a gift of healing. It is only Jesus who can heal me. And yet through various holy priests and ministers... People receive divine healing continuously. 
Is it, is it the healer? No. But they're interceding to Christ, and Christ is working through them for our own healing, for our own salvation. So the use of intercessors is not only biblical, it's totally Christocentric. It is Christian. Jesus is an intercessor and invites us to be intercessors with him for one another. And obviously, you know, once we've become members of the body of Christ, even though we may pass from this earthly life, we're not dead. We're not spiritually dead to God anymore. We're alive in Christ. And so just as surely if I would ask Tom, hey, Tom, I, I'm having some rough times right now. Can you, can you pray for me? Can you offer up some prayers on my behalf? Tom would say, sure. In the same way, Mary is not dead. Well, he's She's the alive God with the, Christ. Amen. He's the God of the living, not of the dead. He said it. He's the God of the living. And he also said, the man or woman who believes in me will never die. And so Our Lady has never died, so to speak, and nor will any man or woman who puts their complete trust in Jesus Christ. We will never die. And that's wonderful. And, of course, Mary, uh, you know, the Catholic understanding of Mary, her role in our lives, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, you know, he he gave his blessed mother to the care of John, right? But at the same time, he's really giving her to all of us so that she's our mother. Well, you know, in the ancient Hebrew law, all widows were well taken care of. This is true today in Jewish communities, even down in Miami, Florida. The Jewish widow is well taken care of, and this is good. Jesus knew that he was going to die. He was not a negligent son. His mom was already taken care of. This had nothing to do with her pancakes or her Starbucks coffee. (laughs) This is something else here. The Lord is preparing us for her, and he's given to his mother a new mission. He's saying, Mama... My people need a mama, too, and you're the best mama I ever made. I want you to mother my people as you mothered me. So there's something here profound going on. He's given to us this beautiful shepherdess to be our mom. We need a spiritual father. We need a spiritual mother. It's the way he made us. Well, one of the most beautiful prayers, one of the the canticle of Mary in, in the Gospel of Luke, you know, I love the way it starts. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. This is Mary speaking, and... You know, another translation is, my soul magnifies the Lord. Yes. And I love when I'm talking to uh, either new Catholics or non-Catholics and trying to explain how we see Mary and how we can relate to Mary. You know, I picture her with a little play on words here, but she's holding a magnifying glass. Amen. She's bringing Jesus closer to us. She's not leading us away from Jesus, and she's not the object of our worship, of course. No. Jesus is the only object of our worship. She's magnifying the Lord for us. In fact, uh, Deacon, not only does Mary hold a magnifying glass for us, she is a magnifying glass. When we say the Immaculate Heart of Mary, her heart is so pure and spotless, we look through her heart in order to get a clearer image of Jesus. So she is the magnifying glass. That's wonderful. We uh, have so much more to talk about here with uh, Father Jim uh, about the rosary coming up. But first, I want to remind everyone about our website at www.thecatholiccafe.com. Or you can find a wealth of information, including MP3s of this and other shows. We have podcasting and lots of links to other great Catholic resources on the web. Also, I'd love to hear from you myself. Send me an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. So fear not, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. At dawn on December 9, 1531, on Tepeyac Hill near Mexico City, a poor Aztec Indian named Juan Diego was on his way to attend Mass. 
As he was walking, he heard a voice calling him. When he looked up, he saw a beautiful woman surrounded by a light as bright as the sun. The woman revealed herself to Juan as the ever-virgin mother of the true God. She then told Juan that she wanted a church to be built upon the very spot where they stood, where the people could experience her compassion and intercession. She instructed Juan to take her request directly to the Bishop of Mexico City. Unfortunately, the bishop was not very enthusiastic. He dismissed the humble Juan, paying little attention to him. Juan returned to Mary and reported the bishop's lack of interest. But not to be dissuaded, Mary sent Juan back to the bishop the next day. Again, he was dismissed. And again, Mary sent Juan back, asking for a third time the same favor. Finally, perhaps in an effort to rid himself of the constant pestering of Juan, the bishop asked for a sign to prove that it was truly the mother of God appearing to him. Mary graciously complied. On the morning of December 12th, Juan Diego passed by Tepeyac Hill once again, as he was in need of a priest for his dying uncle. Mary appeared to him and told him not to worry. His uncle was now miraculously healed and fully recovered. Instead, she told Juan to go to the top of the frost-covered barren hill, and there he would find some beautiful, fresh pink roses. In disbelief, after all it was December, he climbed the hill. To his amazement, as promised, there were the roses. Mary then arranged the roses in his tilma or cloak and sent him off to see the bishop once more. When Juan Diego arrived, he told the bishop about the roses. He opened his tilma and the roses spilled out onto the floor. The bishop was truly amazed, not at the roses, but at Juan's tilma. For on this garment was the miraculous image of Our Lady, just as she had appeared to Juan. The bishop fell to his knees in veneration and prayer. The shrine to our Blessed Mother of Mount Tepeyac was begun soon after. Juan Diego's tilma, still perfectly preserved, can be seen behind the main altar in the new basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. St. Juan Diego was canonized by John Paul II on July 31, 2002. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. We're still here with Father Jim Blunt from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity in Belize. Uh, is where you are currently uh, at home. Is that correct, Father? Seven years now, Deacon. Wonderful. Come on down. Yeah, we're, we're on our way. We're packing <laughs> our bags right now. We need your help. Well, we're you coming. know, we can use the rosary here. We're, we're gonna, we'll pray a rosary for that particular intention. But uh, uh, let's talk more about the rosary. We've mentioned several things about uh, you know, what the prayers involved and mm-hmm. uh, maybe some aspects about uh, Marian devotion and, and such. But another comment I'll hear every once in a while is, you know, the Bible does warn us about this idea of vain repetition. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people think, well, you know, all you're doing is you're just mumbling Hail Mary full of grace over and over and over again mm-hmm. to the point of monotony. Right. Is that vain repetition? Is that what's going on here? Well, it's the same way as a, a man telling his wife, I love you. You can't tell your wife, I love you enough. And in fact, you better not. You better go ahead and keep telling her every day. <laughs> And the Hail Mary is a way of telling Jesus through his mother that we love him. 
And so there's no way that saying I love you can be wrong unless it's done in vain, if it's done in a way that's false. So the Bible does not prohibit repetition. It prohibits vain repetition. So let me just quote to all our brothers and sisters from the book of Daniel. Blessed are you in the firmament of heaven, praiseworthy and glorious forever. Bless the Lord, all you worship the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Angels of the Lord, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. You heavens, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. And on and on and on it goes. Lots of repetition. Lots of repetition, but it's glorious repetition. Yes. So the Bible exhorts us to repetition when it's heartfelt, when it's filled with love and with faith. That kind of repetition is marvelous. We should have that kind of repetition. Vain repetition, never. Glorious and heartfelt repetition, always. Well, of course, and then the, the injunction, if you will, from Jesus against vain repetition, yeah. that's, that's found in Matthew chapter 6. And almost immediately after that, he gives us a prayer to repeat for 2,000 years. We've been repeating the same prayer, the Our yeah. Father, mm-hmm. that we're all familiar with. Yes. Let's not say it vainly. Say it with love. Say the Lord's Prayer with love, with sincerity, and say it as often as you want, but mean it. I've also heard you talk about the rosary and talk about the interplay between the Hail Marys, right, and then the mysteries uh, of Jesus. And so you you had mentioned that the Hail Marys were sort of like this sort of rhythmic beat or the, the bass drum or whatever. Expound on that a little bit, Father. Well, I was a musician in junior high school and high school. I played the trumpet. But I remember the band director always screaming at the drummers because they were teenage guys like myself, and they just went wild on the drums. And he told them, knock it off, guys. Keep it down. Keep it down. The drums are not there to drown out the melody. They're there to keep a quiet, gentle rhythm or a beat to the music. In the same way, the Hail Mary is not the most important part of the rosary. It manifestly is not. It is simply the drum beat. It is a biblical drum beat prayed quietly and with a heartfelt fashion in the background. But the main part of the rosary is the meditation on the scriptural mystery. For instance, when we pray the nativity, the church asks us to think about Jesus being born in Bethlehem, in a cave, with Mary and St. Joseph. We are to imagine it in such a vivid way that we can even smell the hay in the manger. We should see the colors and hear the cow mooing. We want to meditate in this way so it becomes a form of contemplation. Even more, enter into the mystery. See yourself there kneeling with Mary and Joseph, adoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The Hail Mary is simply the background as we look in awe as Jesus rises up from being dead. For three days, he, like an atomic bomb himself, explodes from the dead, knocks away that boulder and walks out. We should put ourselves right there with the soldiers looking at him and worshiping him. So the main part of the rosary is and has always been meditating on the biblical mystery of the life of Christ. The Hail Mary is a background rhythm. So if the Hail Mary is the rhythm, you know, that means that Jesus is singing the melody. I mean, it's all about Jesus. He's the melody. Wonderful. Amen. So let me ask you this. Do you have to be Catholic to pray the rosary? Well, according to my Baptist friend, no, because she prays it every day. (laughs) And she says it has added something to her life. And her old mama, who's been a Baptist her entire life, also prays the rosary. I think even more compelling is a beautiful book I ran across by a Methodist minister. I remember the name of the book was Five for Sorrow, Ten for Joy. It was written by a Methodist minister. 
praising the rosary and asking all Christians to pray the rosary with him. I don't know if the book is still available. I'm sure you can find it. Google it somewhere on the Internet. Five for sorrow, ten for joy. So it is manifestly, it, it, the rosary is a prayer for all Christians. In fact, I would invite anyone of any religion to pick up the rosary and pray it, but only if you want to see miracles in your life, only if you want to get closer to God. Is the rosary simply a way to to uh, glorify and praise God, or is it efficacious? Does it have some effect? Deacon, I tell you, where I'm from in Central America, the problems that we have are overwhelming. And one of the biggest problems we have down in Belize is the problem of adultery, that uh, most of the married men, even in the church, have mistresses. And it's something that we're trying to fight now as strong as we can. And as a pastor, one of the saddest things I have to deal with is a woman who is married, maybe for years, with two, three, four, five, six, seven beautiful children, and her husband has left her for someone else, usually half his age. And my people in Belize just sort of gave up on this. You see, they sort of gave up. The, the culture of sin and darkness sort of took over. We even elected a prime minister who was an adulterer publicly. But now things are starting to change in our country. And I think the reason is because of prayer. Catholics and Protestants both are praying and using their weapons. One woman who came to me was devastated because her husband, who was an area representative, which is in Belize the equivalent of a United States senator, had left her for a woman younger than his daughter. He was gone for five years, and she came to see me with all of her children, weeping. And after consoling her, then I told her, I said, Gregoria, time to stop crying and time to start praying. Your crying is only killing you and is doing no one any good. Let's start praying. So I asked Gregoria to start praying the rosary, not once, but four times a day. The joyful mysteries, the luminous, the sorrowful, and the glorious. The whole rosary. Pray the whole rosary every day, and the Lord will bring your husband back. Now, this has never happened in my country before, but she was faithful, and she prayed her rosary every day. All four sets of mysteries. December 12th, just a month ago, her husband came to my church, Mr. Ismael Cal. He gave me permission to use his name. He repented of his sins. He came publicly to our church. He apologized to his wife and to our people. He was reconciled with his wife. And the Lord fulfilled the promise that he made. He reconciled this woman to her husband through the prayers of the rosary. This prayer is powerful, and that's the fourth time this has happened. The healing of an adulterous relationship four times in the last two months. And you've got story after story of powerful, powerful rosary miracles taking place. We have people literally rising up from the dead. People who are supposed to die that day. And sometimes they're Protestant. But we pray around them anyway. And we ask the Virgin, as she did in the sacred scripture, to intercede to her son for a miracle. And Jesus is faithful to her. And he comes and he heals. The rosary is the most practical prayer I know. And the Lord promised to one visionary in our time, Sister Lucia of Fatima, which almost everyone has heard, even our Muslim friends have heard of Our Lady of Fatima. He promised to Lucia, one of the visionaries, that in these days, now I'm going to quote maybe rather directly, Sister Lucia said that our Lord said, in these last days, I have given to the rosary a new efficacy, a new power, that whatever you ask of me through the rosary, no matter what it is, shall be granted. And so I offer this as a gift to everyone listening. 
If you need a miracle, if it's something good and true, pray for it through the rosary. And look out, because it's coming. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Now, speaking of miracles, I know that, uh, uh, that Our Lady has a big part to play in your constructing a radio station there in Belize. Deacon, I have a vow of poverty, and I only got here uh, to speak on this radio station and do some mission appeals because I prayed the rosary the night before, and a lady called me the next day because I have no money. She had won a free raffle ticket, an airline ticket. That's the only way I could get here is I got a free ticket from one of my parishioners who won it in a raffle. <laughs> well, I've come here uh, to preach and to raise money for our Catholic radio station. We are creating, producing, building the first national Catholic radio station in Belize at the request of our bishop. And we started with nothing and we still have nothing, but we've completed the building itself. We've invested about one million Belizean dollars. We've gotten all through prayer and through begging. We actually went to contractors and said, hey, you got some leftover steel? Can we have it? <laughs> this is how we got most of our stuff. We went to another man. Can you give us some concrete blocks? And he did. He gave us a 1,000. We have built this on, on prayer and on begging. The building now is finished. The first coat of paint is on. The roof is on. We even have an adoration chapel in the radio station. So our people of all denominations can come and pray with us for the conversion of Belize and for the fruitfulness of this radio station. And we need your help as well. Well, we wish you the best in that effort. And I know that we can all uh, add that to our list of intentions as we pray the rosary uh, and offer those up for your Belize radio station for its success and that God will convert and soften the hearts of all those listening uh, so they can, they can receive his word. Deacon, that sounds wonderful. Listen, God will reward them. You can't give to the Lord without him giving back. You, you can't outgive the Lord. Well, obviously, for more information about this new radio station that's in Belize, if you'd like to support them prayerfully or financially, you can email me, Deacon Jeff, at thecatholiccafe.com, and I'll be happy to pass on any information I can in support of that. We here at the Catholic Cafe know the power of radio, and uh, we want to support you in that effort in any way that we can. Thank you, Deacon. Father, thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate your taking the time. Uh, you have a busy, busy mission schedule, and, and you... Uh, with a little extra prayerful support, made it over here to record here at the Catholic Cafe and uh, to offer yourself as a living witness and testimony to the power of the rosary. Thank you, Deke. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that you are not some distant God who cares nothing for our daily lives, but that you are ever near and you freely and constantly offer your love and mercy. If only we would ask you, help us to reach out to you in prayer to keep the lines of communication and communion with you free and open. We ask you to grant this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Mary, Queen of the Rosary, pray, pray for, for us. us and help us to love Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>